0: Hello everyone and welcome to another edition of Films on Trial, episode number 14, Bram Stoker's Dracula. I'm Gav, I'm Joel, I'm Alex, I'm Dave. Basically we are four lads from Liverpool who like to sit around and bitch about films. You could say we're the orchestral reviewers in the dark. Oh come on, <laughs> I, I, <don't>. honestly, <laughs> I, I Honestly, I thought that was one of my funnier ones to be honest. I'm, I'm being harsh, I did like it. Let's move on. You right? You try and figure out funny names each week because it's quite difficult, anyway. Right? If you've never heard this this, uh, this show before, basically we take a film and we put it on trial. It is as simple as that. There'll also be news, trivia, banter, a caption contest, songs, and also a quiz. Isn't that right, Dave? Yep. Yep. Sure is. So before we get started with the bulk of the show. Let us do one of the regular parts of the show, which is the news. Hang on.
1: Yeah, that's good actually. Nice. Right, uh, yeah. nice.
0: Uh, it's very very difficult for me to find a piece of popular music that was about vampires <laughs> that everybody would know. Anyway, right? So, uh, Joel, what is your piece of news for this week?
2: Well, we're going to get straight in. Star Wars Episode Nine is now being directed by J.J. J. Abrams, so I'm quite happy with that. I thought um, he did a good a good job with Episode Seven, and you know, I don't think it's all well fairly regular. It's not. It's not good news when. Um, you know, producer or director gets booted off in, in pre-production. Um, but I think J.J. Abrams could could be a, a good sign for that film.
3: So it's starting to be hard to keep track of who's getting booted off Star Wars films. It seems like it's happening quite a lot. Like, didn't, it, didn't this happen with the Han Solo film as well?
0: Yeah. yeah. Hey, is it a case of them being booted off or them leaving for artistic or creative differences? No idea.
2: Well, I think that is, that is covers, that's like a blanket cover, isn't It could be anything when they say artistic differences. Yeah. Yeah
0: a.k.a. being booted off. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, just right. really, when you think about the Star Wars films, um, do you think about the director or do you think
3: about the, the film itself? I mean, I think of George Lucas, to be honest.
2: <laughs> well, I, I'm sure I read something saying George Lucas said he'd be up for doing it. <laughs> and yeah, I was of, just like, oh, of Christ, course he would. That man of well course well. he yeah. would. <laughs> he'd George love Lucas it.
0: would be up for doing it and then doing no. the same thing again in a couple of years' time, and then again and again and again. Just uh, so many re-edits until... But, but with better special effects. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> be crammed full of just pointless little aliens
3: walking in front of the screen it's his little bits of humor he tries to put in that just it kills me in those remasters but i i really like the force awakens and he did he did the force awakens didn't he jj abrams so i'm really happy he's back so i i thought that was a great was that a reboot we were talking about this is that a reboot yeah it's not, it's not a reboot I mean, it not a reboot is it? it's, it, it's literally... the same recycled story yeah, yeah. it's supposed okay. to be a,
0: a direct sequel but it is literally a reboot because it is A New Hope time okay. two
3: but anyway it rekindled my interest in Star Wars which it was pretty impressive considering how much Lucas had killed it over three films <laughs> so fair enough to him yeah
0: Okay, so moving on, Alex, what is your piece of news of the week?
3: Uh, Well, the Emmys has just happened and The the Handmaid's Tale has done really well. Uh, Basically, I just wanted to shoehorn in to talk about The Handmaid's Tale because I absolutely love that. Have you all seen The Handmaid's Tale?
2: No. no Oh great Well
3: this is going to be a Great <laughs> news bit then. Fantastic uh, No uh, honestly Then a proper go And watch it Because I want to talk to you about. It. it's really Really fantastic I'd say Why do you the... tell
0: us A little bit about What's it about
3: So it's based on The Margaret Atwood book It's kind of set In a dystopian future Where uh, women have Become repressed And uh, fertile women because i think in the yeah in the future fertility rates have gone down and so fertile women have become very prized and are actually sort of um taken and basically used as fertility machines baby machines basically and it's just a it's a really interesting concept and i think i've i've not read the book but i saw the film ages ago i can't remember who's in it i think ed harris no not ed, I, I can't remember there's it, it, it's an old film and the film wasn't very good and, yeah, they've sort of changed the book a little bit, I think, and they've just re- they've kind of modernised it a little bit. And Elizabeth Moss from Mad Men is just brilliant in it, really, really good. So, Gav, you would absolutely love it, considering how much you're going on about like, sexism in this podcast. You would, it's, it is fantastic. I, yeah. I
0: do like films that feature strong <laughs> female characters. That's normal.
3: But, yeah, no, uh, I, I'd recommend you all to watch it. Make you a better person.
0: Okay. Uh well, yeah, well thank you very much Alex and uh, it's because it's it's on Netflix, isn't it?
3: Is it? Mm, no. Oh, is it's it on All4 though. Oh,
0: is it? Yeah. Oh, follow facts
2: this podcast, I think it <laughs> is, isn't it? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. No, cuz I read somewhere that, um, that Netflix or Amazon had become the first TV show to win the best TV show at the Emmys.
3: Ooh. No, I think it won something, but I don't think it won. Hand- I did no Hulu. You're thinking of Hulu?
0: Ah, right, okay. Hulu,
3: which did the handmade sale. Ah,
0: right, yeah. okay. There we go. There we go. Uh, right, yeah. So I, I literally come here for your facts first. <laughs> I mean, they may not be right or correct, but yeah, who, who cares? Uh, so my piece of news for the week is that Jamie Lee Curtis has said that she is going to be returning to the Halloween franchise with Halloween. Sorry, a direct Halloween sequel next year being released in 2018. And there are some quotes from the uh, director and the producer that are attached to it. And they say that it won't be a comedy horror or a reboot, it'll be a direct sequel. Now, this is causing a bit of confusion, considering that she died in the last <laughs> film that she appeared in. And I was,
1: was going to say Halloween H2O, right, didn't she?
0: No, 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 she survived that one. All she right. appeared very, very briefly in the god-awful, and it's probably no doubt that you've forgotten it, uh, Halloween Resurrection resurrection that was it wasn't it the one with um, buster rhymes Um... it was very 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 bad it was it sounds it. it. yeah it was was sort of like big brother meets uh, halloween but i mean no that that would have been actually better than what it was (laughs) it was it was awful i'm spending too much time talking about how bad
1: that film was
3: was halloween h2o good
1: uh, yeah, I think it was, to be it's, honest. It sounds better. I've seen Halloween h <laughs> it sounds better than what Gael just described. Well, it, was, it was a sort of,
0: you know, around the time when Scream, you know, Wes Craven really uh, rejuvenated the sort of slasher film, didn't he? That sort of teen slasher. And it came out around that time and it was it kind of was done by the same people. I think it was done by Miramax and it was kind of piggybacking on the success of that, I think. And it was pretty well received anyway. Much better than Resurrection. Uh, the only thing I remember about that is that I went to go and see it with Matty and he uh, midway through the film, he went to the toilet and came back dressed in a full boiler suit and Michael Myers mask and just walked <laughs> around the cinema. was and- like Matty. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Very, very terrified audience that it's day. sure
1: it was Matty and someone not, not <laughs> killed Matty. And-
0: <laughs> anyway, Dave, uh, what is your point for the week?
1: Uh, well, it's a new story I was actually going to avoid because I've come into some gentle ribbing for these sorts of stories but uh, let's move on then it's (laughs) it's out dave's bi-monthly obituary uh harry dean stanton yeah yeah legendary character actor though apparently he hated the term character actor uh passed away just recently um the list of films like big films that this guy was in is about a mile long he you name a classic film from the 70s or 80s there's a good chance he was in it or knew someone that was
3: yeah. No. Yeah, reading the obituary I was actually surprised at how much I'd forgotten he was in. Mm-hmm. He'd like the little bit parts he brings to. Like he's in The Green Mile, isn't he? Yep. he yeah. Yeah. He just yeah, he just puts in his nice yep. little bit He was parts. in The Green
1: Mile, he was in Godfather Part 2, a lot yeah. of people forget he was in Yeah, AD. I forgot he was yeah. in that. Yeah, well. Pretty in Pink, Alien of course, being one Pretty of his most famous. Pink, he, was, he? he was Molly Ringwald's dad in Pretty and Pink. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um th- probably his best role, I think. It wasn't the film itself, it's not my favorite film of his, but um Paris, Texas.
0: Oh, yeah, if, yeah. If
1: no one's seen that, you should really check it out. His performance is incredible. The film itself, not the best, but his performance is amazing. He could have been a leading actor, just goes to show you.
3: Yeah yeah definitely why, why do you think he wasn't just didn't get offered the roles or
1: um, to be blunt I don't think he had the looks for leading man in Hollywood yeah. when he was starting out yeah. he was starting out in the 1960s I think Cool Hand Luke was one of the first films he did and Cool Hand Luke was he in that yeah or... he was in that as well he did not have the required oh, yeah. looks to make it big in Hollywood I don't think and unfortunately that's why he got relegated to character actor status and it's also why he hated the term character actor
3: <laughs> fair enough
0: to be honest I mean he has been well he was immensely successful as a character actor mm-hmm. and would he have been that successful if he was mm. Hollywood was good looking, you know. He, he might have gone into the thing of you, you work on your looks until they start fading, and, and then move into terrible comedies. Mm. Uh, yeah, and, but with this, he's always, always had that sort of
3: cult, almost cult status.
0: Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. He's been able to pick up any role he wants, basically, in a film or a TV show. Yeah. Well, the BBC tagline when he died did say "cult actor Harry yeah. Dean Stanton yeah, passes yeah. away at age 91. And just to finish on uh, a quote from Roger Ebert, the, who I regard as one of the best film critics ever to have lived, said. If you see Harry Dean Stanton or M MM at Walsh in a supporting cast role, you know the film is not never going to be all that bad. <laughs> yeah. So I think that's high <laughs> praise from uh, from Roger. But there,
0: yeah. Okay. Well, thank you very much, everyone, for the news. <phone rings> yeah right flawless wasn't it flawless. oh yeah beautiful done okay so before we move on to talk about the film we're going to do another regular segment which is the trailer or poster of the week and the trailer slash and or poster that we have been speaking about uh, is the trailer and poster for the new tomb raider film sorry that's literally every single week <laughs> so it's the trailer and poster for the new tomb raider film starring alicia Vikander. Uh, now has everybody had the chance to have a look at the brief trailer teaser trailer that came out today yes <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> yeah, All right, so, but everyone's seen the poster that i showed you
2: as i was saying to Gav, the, you know these days they have teaser trailers which tease the actual trailer which is it, really
3: what it's a teaser trailer it's for a, a teaser trailer.
2: trailer that says trailer coming tomorrow that's that's what it wow. is it's like a <laughs> 10 second thing but, but that's getting off topic you know i'm a I like Tomb Raider. Like, it's probably one of the most nostalgic kind of computer games, probably paired with Resident Evil from my childhood, like ever. Like Tomb Raider one and two, I can remember just pumping plenty of hours into. <laughs> <laughs> Shows how well-rounded you are as a, as a man now. Well, well, I was just about to say there was, there was this cheat. You know, you know, trolling kind of didn't take off for a while uh, on the internet, but there, there was this cheat that basically said uh, to get to get Lara Croft, uh, you know, to drop her clothes in the game, you had to spin round on her bed uh, 370 times, uh, and and you know, she she would take clothes off. Obviously, I spent like two hours spinning round 370 times. <laughs> and, and of course, it didn't happen. So it takes a strong
1: man to admit that, John. I, uh, I I did the exact same thing. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, I did the exact same thing for um, SmackDown with uh, McFoley <laughs> on top of the Hell himself. Cell. It's been around a <laughs> hundred times. Then he takes off his clothes. But you know, that one was true, though, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well. Uh, thanks for that, Joel. <laughs> so what I was going to say was, once again, it was the case of Hollywood doing a really poor poster. This might be the teaser poster. I don't even know if that's a thing. But basically shows the typical strong woman in an action film pose, which is, you can't, you can't just have them, you know, say if you think about some of the most iconic action-adventure posters of all time, think about, you know, your Indiana Joneses, think about your Star Wars, and then you look at this, it's just a... a you know, Lara Croft is stood with her back to the camera and she's looking over her shoulder. So it's pretty much just her arse. And that's the poster. Okay.
3: Yeah.
0: And it's like, there's no need for it. You know what I mean? You wouldn't get that with Indiana Jones. You wouldn't get that with Batman. You wouldn't get that with any sort of big action franchise male star in that sort of pose. Like, Hey, I'm ready to kick arse, but look at my bum. You know what I mean? It, it, it's to me. It's just. It, I, I was saying that a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about Wonder Woman, and I was saying I was looking forward to Tomb Raider because I was so pleased with how they did Wonder Woman, and I was thinking maybe Hollywood is ready to give us a really big. Hollywood blockbuster action franchise with a woman leading it where they don't overly sexualise her. And it's not just a case of, oh, you know, like, I'm really good at kicking ass, but hey, you don't look really pretty when I'm doing it. And I think it's, it was just a case of, yeah, just a female Indiana Jones. Doesn't matter about gender. it's She can kick ass, and
3: that's that. But All right, I'm just going to do devil's advocate here. Couldn't she be both though? Couldn't she be, you know what I mean? Couldn't she be beautiful and kick ass.
0: Yeah, but the Wonder Woman
2: did that. You know what I mean? It, it didn't kind of it, Yeah,
3: but she was pretty skimpy what she
0: was Yeah, wearing. I mean, let's not yeah, forget but the it, thing...
2: it is a highly kind of secularized character.
0: Yeah, but, but but with with Wonder Woman the direction of that is it wasn't say if you if you watch The Avengers or you watch Catwoman or um Elektra, you know, these are kind of films with female strong female characters in. Yeah. But a lot of the action is kind of if it'll, there's always that zoom and camera that starts on their feet and zooms up you know mm, what I mean Yeah, and you always get the R shot yeah, and you yeah. always get the tit shot in you know what I mean it, Like, yeah, look, yeah. Hey, look at their body in this really skimpy sort of leather combo and that's always you don't the really way. get it
3: with Indiana Jones where it like exactly just focuses on his bulge for like, <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> like, a, like 10 seconds yeah. no it's yeah, true but, but you
1: do get that with Batman
3: <laughs> <It's just laughs>
0: yeah, instant- stop bringing up Batman <laughs> Robin <laughs> like, yeah, you, that,
1: yeah you, don't, you
0: don't get that with Indiana Jones you don't get that with Batman and you didn't get that with Wonder Woman it wasn't a case you know it was just her kicking ass and whether she was attractive or not as she was saying didn't really matter because it was it was all about because people don't say oh i don't want to watch indiana jones because that harrison ford isn't good looking you know what i mean he was attractive and he kicked ass but it wasn't like a thing of him being attractive
3: but is it just the pose is it just the fact that like the is it just the pose that kind of you you don't like Well, yeah, well yeah she was like faced
0: yeah, yeah. If she was, I mean, even the Angelina Jolie one, uh, you know, that, that I can remember, it was just her sort of facing camera.
1: Yeah, it was. But I, to be honest, I was at the cinema at the, at the weekend, and I walked past the one of the cinematic poses for Thor Ragnarok. Yeah, Chris Hemsworth is doing almost the exact same pose. Apart from he's looking in the other direction, but he's doing the same thing, kind of back to the camera, just looking over his shoulder, Sexless sort of thing. Chris, exactly, Chris Hemsworth doing the exact same thing. If it weren't for the cape. Chris Hemsworth arse would be a big focal point. Of that. <laughs> True. I mean, maybe we could have yeah. given Lara Croft a cape. Maybe that's where they went wrong. But that, that,
0: that's what's missing in this poster, basically <laughs> a cape. Uh, yeah. Okay. So, it, but uh, I'm still sort of, you know. No,
2: you know, I know what you mean. I, did, it I do. Is, yeah. It is just uh, a yeah. poster, though. You are reading into it a, li- a well, little. Well, that's what bit I'm hoping. I'm
0: hoping that I'm reading into it too much, and that the film will actually be good. Yes. Yeah. But you know, I'm still very, very apprehensive about it.
3: I'd be surprised if he went down a road of over-sexualising the character. I don't think they would do that now. I think they'd be quite sensitive to it. We'd hope so, anyway. Yeah, I see. I. I, I yeah. I think things are getting better, but, you know, I'm always, always ready to be proved wrong as well, but I, I don't think they'll go too far down that road on it.
0: Hopefully not. Uh, okay, so thank you very much, everyone, for discussing the trailer and poster of the week. Now we're going to move on to the bulk of the show, which is Films on Trial. So, this week we are reviewing Dracula, and have a uh, i prepared a little song for this one so basically someone said the other day why don't you do those little biffy songs about the films anymore and i was like i don't i don't, I don't remember These little biffy songs. <laughs> so uh so here we go um you ready for this one it's a good one dave you'll like this Dra Dra dracula comes from transylvania he is a bat who really was gone <laughs> <laughs> do you like that one love it. Uh, yeah. it was good yeah. actually genuinely love it I'm <laughs> <gonna be brilliant. laughs> okay so um yeah so as, as i said if you haven't heard this this show before basically we take a film at a random and we put it on trial there are four roles within the show that of the prosecutor who's trying to condemn the film to the shit list the one of the defense who is trying to place it onto the hit list there's the role of the character witness who's going to be lending their own opinions to either side of the argument to put a bit of weight behind it and then the most important role in the show is that of the judge who is supposed to be impartial and base their opinion on the arguments that are put forward to them and not their own views okay so that's that's basically it in a nutshell just to say as well that all the roles are completely randomized each week so it may be a case that somebody is defending a film that they absolutely hate or prosecuting a film that they absolutely love so as i said before this week's film is dracula so let me give you a bit of a brief overview here ahem the centuries-old vampire Count Dracula comes to England to seduce his barrister Jonathan Harker's fiance, Mina Murray and inflict havoc in the foreign land. This summer. Okay, so uh, without further hesitation, nice. aha, yeah, <laughs> that. without further hesitation, this week's judge
3: is going to be Alex. Yes, so. Oh, sorry. I uh, will <laughs> take it from there. Uh, so, yeah, um, I want a fair fight, guys. I think I'm going to ask uh, Joel for your points first, please.
2: Okie dokie. So, I'm just going to start off with kind of a. It's it's more left more or less. Sorry, a brief overview of of the film. So, uh, well, the movie. It's got its faults, but for me, like it is. It is pure magic. Uh, the movie's greatness isn't in the performances or the storytelling, although they are great uh, in their own right. It's it's more the, the filmmaking itself. So Francis Capella's direction, it was, you know, completely unique. He tried to do something new uh, with the character, and he did it in a setting which hasn't been done before. So the book, you know, I'm not a big uh, reader of books myself, to be honest, but I do have Bram Stoker's Dracula. I was always kind of into gothic horror and all that type of stuff when i when i was younger um, and there are parts of it which aren't faithful to the book but overall it is a faithful adaptation uh, the opening scene for example um is is based on vlad the impaler which which isn't in the novel uh, but it, it it shows him like renouncing God and it kind of sets the scene uh, to pick up from the novel and the rest of the uh you know the, the rest of the book basically in terms of the visuals there is like this quote in the book um, I can't remember like the exact line, but it basically says uh, when Dracula's kind of introduced, there's not like a speck of color on him, and you just kind of imagine this uh, kind of like a black figure, you know, pale, uh, pale skin, like black, jet black hair, and all that type of stuff, and then of course when you see. Gary Oldman in the film, he's got like a, a bright red cloak on, he's got like a, a hairstyle which looks like a bum on his head. Um, <laughs> Good old bum head. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I, that might be like a strange kind of opening statement, but it, it's it's a break away from the traditional imagery that we've been used to over the years, you know, in terms of how we've been... Um, you know, how Dracula's been portrayed. So a, a significant amount of the budget actually went on the costumes, and this was to showcase the actors and the characters, uh, obviously, in the film. And it really shows, you know, transports the audience into that time period. It shows uh, the the setting where all... Sorry, the settings for the shoots were all shot in studio, so very, very little was actually um, shot in location. Uh, and the reason for that was b- was because he was obsessed with the... Old school methods of filmmakings, and he wanted to kind of simulate how things would have looked and how things would have been done at the actual time of the novel so he w- kind of wants wants to transport you sorry into uh, you know the actual time setting of of that film and I think it, it really really shows in this film so the visual effects obviously that go along with that you know they're absolutely outstanding for its time especially when you realize none of it is is computer generated there's only one single post-production effect in the entire film and it's in the end credits so it's mostly all in camera work it's project projections sorry multiple exposures you use techniques from the early history of cinema and it stands up really really well today you know when you're watching the film Never do you really look at it and think, oh, that is absolutely terrible. There are a few little bits and bobs, but obviously you can uh, you can forgive those because it, it really does stand the test of time. I think, you know, it's fair to say it's probably within like the top 10 uh, visually stunning films of, of that, you know, 90s generation. And especially when it was 1992, you know, that, that really kind of shows how well it was done. Uh, one example for me that I really thought was, was great, especially when you consider, as I say, there are no kind of uh, you know CGI effects in this film, is where Jonathan is kind of... Uh, he's just met the Count and he's explaining uh, his fiance who he's going to marry, who is Mina. And then in the background, you know, the, the shadow of Dracula is actually strangling uh, Jonathan while obviously the uh, the rest of the conversation is going on in the foreground. And as I say, if you think that there's no cgi involved it really just kind of show how how impressive like the filmmaking and and all that type of stuff is um so the the score and the soundtrack you know it's great the fact that it's uh, almost like a love story it's got this attractive moving kind of melody to it when the when the main characters are on screen and it kind of really gives weight to those scenes uh the the rest of it the classic gothic opera you know, it's so good that it's used in kind of several films a day. It's been used in the Mummy trilogy, What What Lies Beneath, uh, Demolition Man, Pirates of the Caribbean. And I just want to kind of finish uh, this uh, kind of opening statement with uh, the Oscars. So it won Best Costume Design, it won Best Sound Editing, Best Makeup, and it was nominated as well for Best Set Direction. So, like I said before, like... There were bits that weren't faithful, but overall, it was a very faithful adaptation. I've read the book, and overall, you know, compared to compared to the other Dracula stories, um, it is a it is a faithful adaptation. There are inconsistent moments, but Capella actually let the actors add their own take to it. He let them ad lib, and it the film actually goes to a great effort to explain the plot. It shows characters often writing in the journals, which is basically. Uh, how it happens in the book, it's told from different character perspectives, uh, of those characters kind of writing in their journals, kind of what they're seeing, what they're feeling. Uh, and that's, as I say, kind of how the how the story is told, how it unfolds, and it really kind of blends well with the, with the narrative structure of the film. And it's the only Dracula film which strictly adheres to the original story. Um, so I think... I'll leave that first argument there. Okay, thank
3: you very much, Joel. Uh, Dave, I'm going to give you an opportunity for a rebuttal, if you would like to.
1: Yeah, and I'm going to incorporate my first argument as well. My okay. first argument being, this is not a faithful adaptation. Wow, you're
3: just going to go straight against... I'm going
1: to go straight in there with okay. this one. And the thing is, the reason why that's a problem, people would argue, oh yeah, it doesn't have to be a faithful adaptation, it doesn't impact your enjoyment of the film. This film set out to be the most faithful adaptation. This is what it strived for. The very title, Bram Stoker's Dracula, shows that this is striving to be the most faithful adaptation of the book, and it's just as wrong as anything that, pre, that uh, came before it okay joel talks about the narrative tool and although yeah that works every aspect of the book for those that haven't read it it does come out in journals in newspaper articles in letters in telegrams that's how the narrative is told and that is where it, it went it uh, did a really good job with that but the plot structure Although it's right in the book and the characters are placed where they should be, the characterization is completely wrong, and the big one is Dracula. They did not get Dracula right at all. They completely departed from Bram Stoker's Dracula to make this love story, which has got nothing to do with the book whatsoever. Joel mentions uh, Dracula's appearance, which is completely wrong. In the book he's described as a tall, pale man, completely clean-shaven, but for a long, white moustache and wearing uh, completely black now, as Joel said, Gary Oldman is wearing this ridiculous-looking robe. Uh, I call it ridiculous because if anyone's seen the picture on the podcast, you'll see that I now, too, look ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just, he, he looks like, I don't know, something like the love child of Liberace and Reverend Kane from Poltergeist 2. It's like, what is going on He looks insane.
3: To be fair to Joel, he did also describe him as having a bum on his head. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he
1: did, I'll admit that. <laughs> An <did>. awful man. <laughs> yeah, so he won, he won the uh, Oscar for Costume which you can tell by the costume, they're particularly outlandish. I don't think they're very accurate. They don't transport you into that period. They are very inaccurate, very outlandish, going from what is obvious, such as Gary Oldman's costume, to something quite subtle, like Gary Oldman having purple sunglasses in his scenes on the streets of Victorian London. Again, that, that does not, that's not very period accurate, I have to say. And I don't think it is to showcase the actors. I think it's to distract you from the actors, but we'll get onto that more in the second point. Uh, the other special effects that they got was hair, makeup makeup good for the creature effects which aren't necessary in the book it became more of a creature feature than it did a gothic horror um and i'm sorry have you seen keanu reeves hair towards the end of the film in the book it's described as jonathan harker's hair going gray from shock and keanu reeves hair towards the end of the film looks horrific it's like they just put talcum powder through his hair and i'd like to think that the hollywood special effects team or makeup team can do more than that to be honest with you special effects Joel says they don't use any special effects apart from towards the end of the film. I distinctly remember Gary Oldman's eyes looking down at the train carriage as it goes past. Unless Gary Oldman's eyes were genuinely in the sky, I think that's a special effect they use there. I remember blue fire, really naff-looking blue fire at the gates of Dracula's castle and then shooting off into the sky just before the final battle with him again. I mean, it, it, I, just
2: just <laughs> to butt in, it, it's actually not. So, so what they did was they filmed it once, and then they reimposed it. So you've got the film, and then you film again, blue fire or eyes in the background. I
1: still think it's a special effect google it Dave
2: but I, guess, I, guess,
3: I guess what you're disagreeing is is like Joel saying it's not what a post, constitutes a it's not a post production special effect it was right. done within so it's
1: not a digital not a
3: digital research. enhanced special right. effect
1: okay I'll give him that one I'll give him that one they were genuinely Gary Oldman's eyes in the sky but I do think there is some CGI and it's not particularly well done I don't, though, you I didn't think say.
3: it was Gary Oldman's massive eyes in the sky did you, you Joel? <laughs>
0: I just, I just
3: want to be clear on this point.
0: Yeah, but what they were going for there is they were substituting the moon with uh, Gary Oldman's
3: big nice. bum head. <laughs> Sorry. Continue, Dave, please.
1: Okay, so my big problem, like I was saying now that I've rebuttal, uh, had a rebuttal at some of Joel's points, it's the adaptation itself, and it is not faithful at all. I looked into this, and the reason why this is such a big point, like I say, all the publicity, the very title of the film all lend itself to being the most faithful adaptation of Dracula, and it fails because of this love story. Because of the way they personify Dracula in the novel, he is a monster, he is a predator, there is no love story between him and Mina, and it does have a factor on this film because it means that it doesn't make sense quite simply it's like you uh the the love story he loses his wife at the start and renounces god all well and good there's this scene where the brides of dracula uh attack keanu reeves in one of the bedrooms gary oldman's character comes in dracula comes in throws them off says get away from him he's mine this happens in the book and they turn around to him and say what do you know about it you've never loved that's taken out of the book that is dialogue taken exactly out of the book and i'm sorry it does not work in this film because he has loved that's the point of this film. He has loved... He had a love and he lost it. It's just like, what do you mean I've never loved? Have you seen the roof of my chapel? Have you not seen the portrait of me and my wife at there? It does not make sense. It's, and, and it's things like that. There's also the fact that he's supposed to be so in love with Mina, who he considers to be the reincarnation of his wife. None of this is in the novel, by the way. This does not work either because what is true to the novel is when it comes to, to England, he preys on Lucy, who is Mina's best friend. Why is he making a beeline... Or Lucy, if he's so obsessed with Mina. This storyline does not make sense anymore. It falls apart at the seams. He even, in this film, has sex with Lucy on a bench while as kind of some kind of half dog hybrid. This is not in the book either. In the book, Lucy is sleepwalking, she goes up to the Whitby Abbey. Mina follows her and she sees her lying on a bench with a shadow looming over her around her neck seemingly of what emerges to be biting her there is nothing about having sex with a half man half dog hybrid and why would he do that if the whole thing is he is in love with mina this just does not make sense it does not gel they've tried to take dialogue out of the book and they do that quite well in certain points but they've forgotten about how it impacts on the changes that they have made it's like they've forgotten their own changes and it just falls short uh there's the, the little bits like the scenes that they add in there's a scene where um dracula and mina go to uh the london uh, sideshow victorian sideshow and he and she encounters a wolf in the novel dracula is the wolf he tra- transforms into a dog but then him and the dog are there separately together and it just when lucy is then attacked by a wolf in her bed which is meant to be him in the novel it again doesn't make sense like is that him as a dog or is that the wolf thing that they saw in the victorian sideshow that clearly isn't him you lose a lot of points in the novel it just doesn't work and the subtlety, the beauty of this gothic novel were things like... One of my favourite bits I just want to talk about was the uh, the scene on the Demeter. That's the ship that runs aground in Whitby, which is carrying Dracula. In the novel, it's brilliantly done. It's uh, all from the captain's perspective in his captain's log. And then it covers, uh, as he's talking about all these sinister goings-on, a figure being seen on deck, people going missing... And then it comes to uh, when the ship runs aground, it's a newspaper reporting of of the guys that went on board, first of all, and they find the captain, the only body on the ship, lashed to the wheel. It's incredibly sinister, incredibly... It's that gothic horror, you know, it's subtle. In this film, in this adaptation, you get no subtlety whatsoever. You see blood splashing across the sails. You see a dog running across the deck, people screaming. All the subtlety is gone, and it doesn't become a gothic uh, story anymore. It becomes another slasher, and it loses all of its mystique.
3: Okay, thank you, Dave. So, Gav, you've got a bit of a hard job this week, I think, as character witness, because we've got two very different Joel saying that um, you know, the visual effects very old school, and also that it was quite faithful to the book, he felt. And Dave actually saying that he felt the absolute opposite. He went completely away from the book and started bringing in things that jarred. What was your take on this as you're watching?
0: Yeah, thank you very much for that, guys. It's a very, very hard job made even harder by by your arguments there. Um, So, yeah, I'm kind of on the fence, but with my legs swung over to Dave's side of the garden, I think.
3: (laughs) I've got the image. (laughs) You've got the image there, yeah. Okay,
0: so... Uh, I I I did as Joel said. Really liked how traditional it looked. Uh, so Coppola used some very traditional film making techniques. It was all, as Joel said, done on um, on within, within a stage. There was very little locations used, and if that's true, then some of the set pieces were absolutely fantastic. Like you know, uh, Dracula's mansion or the scenes in uh, London as well. I think if that's all done within a sound stage, that is pretty impressive. I'd say the special effects as well and the costumes were absolutely brilliant. I think, you know, Gary Oldman throughout it, uh, you know, when we were first introduced to him, as Joel said, you know, although that wasn't faithful to the book, I'd still say that that's probably one of the most iconic adaptations of Dracula or uh, the introduction of a vampire that you've ever seen on on screen. Uh, I'd also say, agree with Joel as well, when he spoke about the soundtrack, I thought the soundtrack was absolutely amazing, very sort of, gothic horror sound which fit so well with the film i think if you would have had any other sound it wouldn't have sounded as good or wouldn't have looked as sleek uh, but i will agree with dave that the story itself isn't faithful to the book at all and also when dave spoke about visual effects as well i definitely remember gary oldman's big bum head being in the uh, in the sky as keanu reeves was making his way to transylvania uh, there were some really ropey special effects at the beginning which i think do not stand up to this day however there were some other scenes as well that used uh, special effects which I thought was pretty good like at the very first scene when he's in the chapel and he strikes the cross and all that blood pours out I thought that was quite striking and if that was to be done today there's no doubt that that would have been CGI that was used Uh, but Yeah, yeah, I don't think it was very faithful to the book at all, really. There was, as Dave said, the whole sort of half-man, half-dog thing was a bit like, oh, what's going on here? And, yeah, the the whole idea of him not being in love but also being in love as well and, you know, the whole... beginning where they kind of made them Vlad the Impaler and they made it like a love story instead. And then, as Dave says, he sees Winona Ryder and says, oh, wow, she looks just like my dead wife. I'm going to go and go to London and marry her. Uh, or, you know, um, entice her. <laughs> entice her. Court, entice her. her. Court, there we go, entice, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then, and then, obviously, you know, her friend gets in the way as well. He, gets, he makes a beeline for the friend instead, which doesn't kind of ring true. Uh, I suppose you could say that he's, you know, quite animalistic, but it was quite calculated the way he was doing it. It wasn't sort of like on impulse where, oh, I need to get some blood right away, so I'm going to kind of um, seduce this woman. It was just the case of he was just doing it because he wanted to uh so yeah so a bit on the fence there don't know if i added much to be honest um but yeah sorry sorry guys
3: <laughs> <laughs> okay uh right thank you very much gav i'm now going to pass it over to dave's prosecution for your point now please
1: uh that was kind of a point we were sharing there so you sharing that point we're sharing yeah. that point. we're sharing our second one as well okay actually.
3: sorry brilliant okay well i'll let you go first then dave
1: thank you <laughs> uh second point i think we're both going to be discussing is cast and characters so the characters and the characterization and the people who portray them. Do they do a good job? <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's go for the low hanging fruit first of all. Keanu Reeves. Someone out very, very of very low <laughs> like hanging fruit. Off the ground. <laughs> Pretty much already rotting on the ground, I think, this one. Okay, there's no two ways about it. Keanu Reeves is terrible in this film. So much so people have said he ruined what could have been a great film. He is that bad, and he is pretty atrocious. And it's not just the accent. His accent is terrible. He cannot do a British accent. I'm sorry, but he cannot. His acting as well is appalling it's a, there's, a, there's a bit where they're going across the top of a cliff top he's in a carriage and he has no he looks over the end and he sees like these rocks falling away he's about two foot away from this massive drop no reaction just goes back into the into the cabin looking slightly concerned maybe or just mystified or hungry I don't know what <laughs> the look on his face was um, th- there's no response either to this demonic driver that pulls up next to him either that's also inaccurate in uh, from the book it's like this this driver pulls a stagecoach driver it growls it's got this long arm with claws you can't see his face it doesn't speak not like in the book where the driver is actually Dracula himself and he does speak to him there's some charm there although he's sinister you can think oh okay yeah I might get into a carriage here with this guy Keanu Reeves performance here with this demon uh, offering the drive in the castle Dracula it's just like his reaction should have been well that's a whole lot of nope right there I'm not getting in that carriage but no nothing just gets on board without a, a second thought and as terrible as he is he's not the only offender in this film Winona Ryder isn't terrible, but she's not that good either. I don't think she's good enough to hold down a role of this magnitude. Gary Oldman, give him his credit. Although he hams it up, chews the scenery, sounds a bit like the Count from Sesame Street at points. Hmm. He, he does a fair job, and he does the best he can do with the material available to him. Anthony Hopkins simile, uh, he goes from looking bored one moment to looking wild-eyed and raving, neither of which are particularly accurate portrayals of Van Helsing. Um... You've got Sadie Frost, who plays Lucy. Again, she's not very good in this role. I think this role was too big for her to take on. The characterization of Lucy's suitors in the books, these guys are the heroes. You're supposed to get behind them. They're good people, they're decent people. Carrie Elways is not very likable in this role at all. He becomes across as kind of a snob, like he doesn't really care about Lucy. She was just a prize to be won. Uh, from the other two suitors in the book that is not true this is a guy you can get behind He is distraught when Lucy is dying you know he breaks down in tears on the sofa he's he's a guy you can get behind he's a hero he's somebody you can empathise with not in this book not in this film sorry Uh, Richard E. Grant similarly as Jack Seward another of of the suitors There's a scene with Renfield, played by Tom Waits, where he seems to be egging on Renfield's insanity. You know, this is supposed to be the doctor looking after this poor man with mental illness, and he's there talking. Renfield's talking about how he wants to get a a fly and feed it to a spider, and then get that spider and feed it to a swallow, and then he's asking for a kitten so he can then feed the the swallow to the kitten and then eat the kitten so he gets the life force of all these creatures in one. And Richard E. Grant is like, oh, yeah, why not a big cat? Would you like a big cat, Renfield? It's like... i would love a big cat It's just like this is not helping this poor man's recovery this is not what a responsible doctor should be doing and it's taken right out of the book and you're made to dislike the heroes you feel more sympathy for dracula for this predatory monster that bram stoker created than you do for the heroes of the book and i think that is a a, sh- uh, a bit short-sighted of the film whereby this this is the bad guy, you can't get fully behind him because he's doing unspeakable things. He kills Lucy, he kills all these other people, he does these terrible things. You can't get behind him all the way, but it's asking you to get part way behind him and, and stray away from your heroes. I think they would have been better off doing what Bram Stoker did in his novel, as I'm sure he would have wanted them to do in this adaptation, and get behind the heroes and see the bad guy for what he is, the bad guy. The characterization of these people is completely wrong, and the acting is... Blackluster
2: at best.
3: Hey, um, Joel, would you like to come back? Have you got some points about your ca- the casting characters of this film?
2: Um, I have, but just before I start and go into that, I just want to uh, quickly just touch on the scene where Dracula kind of sleeps with Lucy. So... Um, <laughs> Dave said it was just kind of a, kind of left field, but actually, um, when Mina receives word from Jonathan, who at that point has just escaped the castle for, from the brides, uh, he's recovering at a covenant, and he sends a letter uh, to to Mina. So she travels to Romania to marry him at his request, and Dracula, in like a fit of rage, uh, transforms Lucy in, into a vampire. Uh, but kind of moving on into into the casting characters, so Gary Oldman. You know, he's an incredible actor. You know, I think the last time I was I was doing defense, we, we, we touched on him. Uh, but it's the best interpretation of Dracula. You know, he's wide, wildly theatrical, sorry, in a way few actors can even really kind of comprehend, but without ever going over the top or losing the emotional thread of the character. So he, he plays Dracula as almost a fallen angel. He felt betrayed by God and wanted revenge. And it kind of makes it... As Dave said, really, not so much a horror story, but but it's a heartbreaking love story. You know, you actually care about him, despite what he does to his victims throughout the film, and he plays a broken villain very well. And, you know, I do think that that is a, a good twist on the Dracula story. So Anthony Hopkins, uh, who plays Van Helsing, you know, he also narrates a, a lot of the movie. Uh, it's a commanding, uh, you know, he, he does work very well with the screen time he's given, very commanding, and he's got, you know, great presence uh, Winona Ryder at this point was kind of like a rising star so uh, she was still developing her talent she does well with the part she's given you know she plays a really kind of beautiful and, and conflicted character and she does that very well You know, especially um, when you think that her character is basically tasked with um, almost playing two roles you know she she is the uh, engaged to Jonathan but she also kind of then remembers uh, her past with, with Dracula uh, Keanu <laughs> well <laughs> I've, I've got, yeah, on, come Joel. on Joel defend, <laughs> defend this one Joel. I've, I've actually got a quote here from from Capella which kind of shows his logic to it obviously it was a bad decision but the quote says we tried to get some kind of matinee idol uh, for the part of Jonathan because it isn't such a great part if we were all to go to the airport Keanu is the one that the girls would just besiege so it's a, it's almost like sexism in reverse um, for, for you Gav Oh, thanks man <laughs> <laughs> so, so Richard E. Grant has a has a whole <coughs> other weirdo um, movie about Dr. Stewart in mind you have to look closely but while the other vampire killers have brought crosses axes and guns Grant is seen holding some kind of smoke and potion in a test tube which I'm sure you know Dracula's really worried about but the wild card in the cast is like Tom Waits who's fantastic as the insect eating Renfield and Sadie Frost who brings a real carnal sexuality to the movie so you know, overall, I think I think the casting and characters are, you know, are pretty good. With the with the odd obsession, of course, of uh, Keanu Reeves. But the less said about him, the better. But I don't think it really kind of takes away anything from the film that he's there. Obviously, it would have been better to have an an English actor playing that part. Um, but overall, you know, as I say, I, I was I was quite happy with the with the casting characters.
3: Okay, uh, so just before I come back, Dave has been scribbling and would like a very, if you don't mind, Joel, just a very quick rebuttal.
1: Just a very quick rebuttal. Uh Although I like the way you phrased that about Sadie Frost. What was it again? <laughs>
3: Carnal sexuality. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Sorry, that's a very creepy, yeah. man. That's some good word use. Yeah, that's man. some good word use. I'll give you that. That, that but, sounds
0: like a Barbara
3: Cartwright
1: book. <laughs> I mean, you, you, you
3: almost won it right there Carlin's and Joel. Barbara
1: Carlin. who, funnily enough, Gary Oldman also somewhat resembles in that opening yeah. scene. Uh, yeah, I just want to quickly say about that, that's not the character of Lucy. That's not what Bram Stoker had in mind. And I just want to point out, the, the female characters in this film are overly sexualized I think it 's unnecessary. There is no need for Sadie Frost to be that way. In fact, it goes against her character in the book because there 's a scene towards the end as she's um, just before she dies, she asks Arthur played by Carrie Elways to kiss her, and in the book, because this is so out of character uh, that she 'd be this provocative. Anthony Hopkins, well, Van Helsing steps in, drags Arthur away. He realises something's wrong in the book. In the film, you wouldn't think anything of that. You would not necessarily realise that this was out of character because of the way she played it, and that's where it starts to go wrong. And the oversexualization of the female characters, there is no need for Sadie, Fro- Sadie Frost's dress to slip down every time she has a moment of thinking about Dracula. There is no need for the brides of Dracula to likewise be topless. There is no need for Winona Ryder and Sadie Frost to kiss in the rain. In the maze, if there Dracula
2: is... wants them topless, Dave. Dracula yeah, can there's... have them topless.
1: It's not Dracula calling cool the shots, the wizard. It's Francis Ford Coppola, and I don't <laughs> think it was necessary. It's almost like that. That. Uh episode of extras with patrick stewart in
0: (laughs) 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 using my controls but it's too late i've already seen everything
3: (laughs) okay gav as character witness can you you know from what you've heard what side of the fence are your little legs dangling over there this time
0: Uh, i think uh, they're not only dangling over but they've landed fully in (laughs) dave's camp i'm sorry joel i I think the cast on paper looks fantastic but on performance um, leaves a lot to be desired uh, Keanu Reeves, as Dave said, most of the time, he's got this look on him as if he's thinking about what he's going to have for lunch. There's just no emotion there at all. I think, as, as he said, Gary Oldman, I think he's a fantastic actor. I think the bits at the beginning, actually, when he's flat. When he's when he's when he's actually human and he's and he's showing real emotion, I think he's fantastic in that scene where he, he, he finds his wife has just died. The emotion expressing on his face it reminded me of um, that scene in Leon um, towards towards the end. That he's he's showing such kind of loss and anger at the same time. It's tremendous. However, as the film goes on, uh, Dave said he starts chewing the scenery. Maybe it's because there weren't great performances to bounce off. I think Winona Wyder is... Winona,
3: Winona Wyder. So, <laughs> Winona that's <Wyder. laughs> Winona wider sorry, that's... Uh, George, wow. <laughs> again. Every, every episode we've
0: seen. Eh. Winona Ryder, yeah, uh, yeah t- doesn't, give, doesn't give a good per- uh, performance at all, really. I'm not going to say she was the worst, because that was definitely Keona Reeves. Anthony Hopkins as well. I mean, oh, man, you know, he's a, he's a screen great that is reduced to sort of pantomime-esque performance. However, I will agree with Joel that Tom Waits does give a tremendous performance, which just says a lot about the cast, that this kind of blues musician can deliver such a fantastic performance, more so than paid and trained actors. Uh, but, you know, and I think I'm going to have to agree with Dave as well. I think the, the, the women in the film are overly sexualized. As, as you read in the book itself, there there's no need for it, really, as Dave said. Some of it is just too much, and I do think it is... I mean, I can understand that vampires, and Dracula specifically, are supposed to be quite sexual. They're always kind of overly sexualized creatures, aren't they? I mean, you look at the Twilight Saga, it's one of that thing, you know, it's, it's a sort of, oh, these are um, a, a villain or, you know, a horror icon that can become you know quite sexual it's like...
2: Dracula is based on some sort of women's sexuality isn't it am I wrong in saying that I'm pretty sure the the original idea comes from uh, you know the sexuality of women yeah but
1: I'm not so sure about that
2: you can have
0: the idea but then this expressing it quite vividly as well, as vividly as Francis Ford Coppola does which is kind of tits galore um, which is, is a bit you know it's a bit on the nose really and Sadie Frost's character as well. I just don't think there's there's anything to her. I think the the sort of the, the dialogue and the, the kind of the work that she's been given to work with, there's there's not a lot really. I mean, I, so I don't feel too bad on her, because I don't think she had a great deal to work with. But yeah, I think I'm going to side with Dave on this one. But before we move on, I was thinking perhaps we could have a little break for. A quiz.
1: Is that alright with you, Dave? Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah, I'll, I'll okay. take I'll put my notes down for So, a
0: this <laughs> week's quiz, Dave, is a good one. I'm happy uh, to say. So, watching uh, Dracula, uh, all the kind of the old Victorian names came up and I was like oh some of them are quite unusual and then I got thinking about Dracula and uh, vampires in films and how uh, originally when they first came from Bram Stoker and you know the sort of early incarnations of of Dracula or vampires they were very sort of gothic Victorian names and as they've kind of progressed over the years to bring them to the modern day they've kind of ended up sounding more like estate agents than anything else so what I want Dave uh, to do here and you guys as well, is to separate the movie vampires from the characters from Downton Abbey in a quiz that I like to call <laughs> Chesty Stabby Downton Abbey. <laughs> okay, so Dave, uh, Jerry Dandridge, is he a Chesty Stabby or Downton Abbey? Uh, Chesty Stabby.
3: Okay, Alex. I am loving this quiz. Uh, I'm going to say Chesty Stabby, I'll say Downton Abbey. Okay, uh, uh,
0: Dave, you're all right. It is a Chesty Stabby. It's Chris Sardin's character in Fright Night. Okay, so number two, Kurt Barlow, Chesty Stabby, Downton Abbey.
1: That is definitely (laughs) Chesty Stabby.
0: Okay, guys, you think
3: otherwise? Chesty Stabby. (laughs) Chesty Stabby.
1: Yeah, yeah. Salem's Lot. (laughs) Yeah, Dave, you're right. It's uh, Rutger
0: Hauer's character in Salem's Lot. Okay, number three, Lavinia
3: Swire, Chesty Stabby, Downton Abbey.
1: I'm going to say Chesty Stabby again.
3: Uh, I'm going to mix it up and say Downton Abbey.
0: I'll say Downton Abbey as well. Okay, Alex and Joel are right. It is Downton Abbey. Ah. (laughs) Zoe Boyle's character from Downton Abbey. Okay, number four. Countess
3: Bathory. That... Porn. (laughs) (laughs) Neither trick question.
1: That, That I'm thinking is a vampire.
2: Chesty Stabby. Chesty Stabby. Come on. What, what's the name of the programme again? Downton Abbey. <laughs> <laughs> you know it because it rhymes with chesty stabby.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, Joel, uh, yeah, with all of his hesitation, was right. It is Downton Abbey. That's really unfortunate, given the Countess of Bathory is actually... Uh...
1: Oh yeah, no, I'm not i The historical Countess of Bathory is the one that uh, bathed in young women's blood, right? Yeah, that's yeah, right. You know, yeah, at yeah. this yeah. point, Quiz
3: Dave, Dave might have won. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah so Dave's completely right. It is based on a real-life Hungarian noblewoman who was a serial killer and reportedly killed over about 650 people, and also appeared in the film Daughters of Darkness. Oh. Right. So moving on, Prince Igor Kurgan. Downton Abbey, Chesty Stabby, Mm, Chesty Stabby, Igor. No, it's Downton Abbey. (laughs) Really? Okay. Uh, The next one is Count Nikolai Rostov. Uh, Downton Abbey, Chesty Stabby.
1: uh, You know what? I'm going to go Downton Abbey again.
3: He's got that. He's he's a character from War and Peace. Uh, Downton Abbey. Downton Abbey. Oh no, Chesty Stabby. No, Brucey, you were right the first
0: time, man. It Shit. was uh, Downton Abbey and <laughs> War and Peace. They, they took a couple of characters from War and Peace for some War, reason no, and brought okay. them over. Okay, uh, Deacon Frost.
2: Chesty Stabby. Yeah, Chesty Stabby. Yeah, I recognise the name, Chesty Stabby. That's Blade. Yeah, it's
0: Blade. Well <laughs> done, Dave. Okay, uh, and uh, two more. Here we go, quick ones. Edward Dalton. Downton Abbey.
2: Mm, Chesty Stabby. Downton Abbey
0: it is a chesty stabby i'm oh. sorry it's our good old mate ethan hawke's character in daybreakers and the last one here is simon bricker
2: downton abbey downton abbey chesty stabby
0: um well it's a guy that features in this film actually richard e grant but it was his character from downton abbey i'm afraid <laughs> but uh for actually uh, correcting me the quiz master i'm gonna give this one to dave oh, congratulations yeah. well dave, done,
3: dave. One, dave and uh, yeah moving back to alex Okay, so uh, I think just to sort of... I think it's time to sort of round it up now. So I'm going to ask closing statements. I think I'm going to ask... Joel, are you happy to go first on closing statements?
2: Yeah, I mean, this isn't so much a closing statement, just a bit of trivia, just like what I was saying about, um, you know, the sexuality of women. Um, so apparently it's how they're viewed in Victorian society. So um, women that were that were not pure and had slept with, like, multiple partners were looked down upon. Um, and this is pretty much what the, the, the vampire women are meant to represent. So these th- three women... Uh, a representation of the victorian belief towards women of impurity and it's why vampirism is linked to evil and why mina is apparently the um you know sought after character because she is not um somebody who sleeps around basically so i knew i'd seen it somewhere but that's basically uh, where it comes from uh but yeah my closing statement is pretty much what i said at the start of my very first argument which is the movie's greatness isn't in the performances or in the storytelling it's in the it's in the sheer filmmaking itself you know you only need to look at the amount of awards oscars all that type of stuff that this that this film has won to um you know see that that is the case
3: okay thank you very much and dave your final arguments
2: yep i'll keep
1: it brief because i prattled on for quite a while This film sets itself out to be the most faithful adaptation of Bram Stoker's Dracula in name, in publicity, everything, and it fails on every point. It is, in fact, one of the worst adaptations of Dracula. It it does not work, and it's not even well executed. (laughs) <laughs>
2: don't <laughs> hold
1: back Dave <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry, <laughs> I'm sorry I, got distracted, I got distracted it's not even well executed it doesn't look good, the special effects are jarg the performances are terrible the script is only saved because they've lifted bits of dialogue out of the uh, original novel and although I, I salute them for doing so the bits they've taken they haven't thinking, thought about their own rewrites and the bits that they've changed it and some of it just does not work anymore they're trying to be more clever than they actually are and I'm sorry this film failed on every front
3: Okay, um, Gav. Any any last things you'd like to add to anything that people have been saying? Nope.
0: Okay, thank <laughs> you. I'd like to say that yeah, I, I actually agree with with both of them in a way. It's been a really difficult one to review because I can see both where Dave and Joel are coming from here. I think it was a, a great terrible film or a terrible great film. It's one of them.
3: Okay. Thanks, Gaff. That,
1: <laughs>
3: please, that's, that's the best thing a character witness has said all, all this whole podcast. Uh, okay, this is quite tricky based on, based on the arguments because you're both uh, disagreeing quite a lot with each other on this. Um, you know, it seems like, you know, Joe was, Joe was saying with the visual effects were really good, it uh, adds to the atmosphere. It's sort of a lavish production, which the Oscars recognized as well. Uh Dave was saying that actually the visual effects didn't really work and it wasn't faithful to the book and became sort of historically inaccurate and actually them adapting and changing the story sort of fucked with the uh, sorry, <laughs> but maybe a bit too. Maybe,
0: last sorry.
3: Week, Is that about the F we've ever
0: seen on the show? <laughs> No, so no, I said I it last week. So.
3: Okay, fuck uh, it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, the um yeah, so the them changing the story see, sort of The love story didn't... You took the character of Dracula away from what Bram Stoker would have wanted... Uh, Dave also then pile-drived into Keanu Reeves for quite a
1: while. <laughs> I enjoyed it.
3: And uh, said he was terrible and that actually most of the performances weren't good which Joel disagreed with. Joel said that Tom Waits were, uh, had a fantastic little cameo in it and that Lucy had a carnal sexuality. So, which, <laughs>
0: To be fair, I think we can all agree that we'd rather have Gary Oldman in the film with the accent than not in it without it. <laughs>
3: <laughs> okay, so it's to be honest this has been quite a tricky one listening to the arguments to to round up um i'm gonna be quick it's going on the shit list
2: oh, uh, yeah. oh,
3: no. i i uh, i have to say um dave just had it for me joel came out swinging with the visual effects i like the little you know the little to- like sort of small sets and stuff like you that the big in the
0: sky
3: like the big it bum in the sky i like the, <laughs> the, the the way it was sort of a toy town effect you know like the miniature effects i like that i felt it added to the atmosphere but, um, I mean, the acting from Kiana was so atrociously bad, it really took me out of the film. Uh, Win- I didn't think Winona Ryder was good. I really didn't like Anthony Hopkins, to be honest, in it. I, th- I thought he was trying for that Oscar so hard. And uh, I think Dave's argument about storytelling was really strong as well, where he was saying that the character of Dracula and an awful lot of stuff didn't really make sense based on you know on, on, on what was going on so um, yeah no Joel had some good arguments but I am afraid it's going to go on a shit list sorry Joel
2: <laughs> just remember I'm, I'm judging the notebook <laughs> <laughs> I know I know you're <laughs> not I know so uh,
0: thank you very much everyone I think we're just going to do a quick run around the room to actually find what people's genuine uh, opinions were so I think we're going to start Alex what, what was your genuine opinion about the film
3: uh, I thought it started well and then uh, to be honest I, I, I didn't like it um I thought it was interesting when it started off with the, you know, with the the, the sort of the silhouettes throughout it, but I just thought it, it like became pretty absurd all the way. To, like the story didn't make much sense, and that effect. I thought I just Keanu really torpedoed the film, which when I've looked it up, he, he himself said he didn't do a very good performance, so no one thinks Keanu Reeves did a good job, <laughs> including can Keanu you, Reeves. Can you imagine if he
0: was adamant to this day that he delivered <laughs> He's the fantastic a fantastic Oscar-worthy it's performance? It's true, there's
3: it nothing he could say.
0: Okay, so Dave, you you were the one who actually got it placed on the shit list, but what is your genuine opinion about the film?
1: Actually, I quite like it. <laughs> 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 I, actually, I genuinely actually do quite like it. It's, it's not great, and it is a, a very poor adaptation. Those that say, oh, this is the most faithful adaptation of the novel, I uh, didn't need to reread the novel or rewatch watch the film, because it's not. It misses the mark. Uh, if you want to get a, uh, a very accurate portraying of the novel on screen, see Count Dracula, the 1977 BBC made-for-TV movie starring Louis Jourdan. That is the one you need to watch if you want to see an actual faithful representation of the novel. Uh, Listen up, but it's, people. <laughs> <but it's still laughs> get enjoyable. your pen and paper. <laughs> all in all, although, yeah, I, I didn't really lie, but it, it's still enjoyable. And Gary Oldman saves it. And I didn't want to make this concession well, yeah, before it had been judged. Tom Waits, nails the British accent yeah. and he's a blues musician he's not a professional actor and he does a better job than Keanu Reeves and Winona Ryder you know what Gary Oldman and Tom Waits nailed it
0: yeah should have just been the two of them just talking for an hour and a half I would pay to see that
2: okay Joel and what was your opinion on it? Uh, yeah I think uh, as, as always Alex has made the completely wrong decision there <laughs> <laughs> I, I like yeah. the film uh, for me it's probably my favourite Dracula film I just think Gary Oldman as Dracula yeah, you know like, Dave made the point um, even though he, he does like the film that the, uh, you know, like the red cloak and stuff is kind of ridiculous and stuff. But And, and I said, you know, about the the bum hairstyle. But I just think that scene where he is like an old man and like where like Keanu's shaving in the river. In the river? Keanu's sh- 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 shaving in the mirror.
1: That was a dream, yeah. had, was not it? <laughs> <laughs> and,
2: uh, you know, he, he comes up and he takes the blade off him and, and licks, you know, he licks like the blood off the blade. You know, I, I really like the film.
3: You know, he was drunk, apparently, when he did that.
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah is that your trivia of the week,
0: Alex?
3: No. I've got, <laughs> I, I've got up a little
0: bit. Okay, well, my opinion on it is quite similar to uh, Alex in a way, and I thought it started off really strong, even with the really ludicrous part of how he became Dracula which didn't make any sense to me. It, wasn't, it was barely explained. He got really angry that his wife had died and then renounced God, stabbed a cross, which then bled, and he thought, hey, I'm going to drink this, and then there we go. And it, it wasn't... Anthony Hopkins didn't come in with this. And yeah, and what was Anthony Hopkins? He was like, all over the film. Oh, I
1: forgot was... to mention that. Yeah, yeah, he had four roles. Yeah, which is like,
0: confusing at best it was actually like Eddie Murphy and the Nutty Professor <laughs> <laughs> every time every, every, a new scene came on there was Anthony Hopkins in the back with a fake nose on yeah. or with a
1: beard or, maybe you know, that's why just... the money's worth out of him it's like <laughs> yeah. we need a maid the maid hasn't shown up Sir Anthony can you step in <laughs> oh <no>. <laughs> <laughs> I can do a maid uh, yeah uh, so I thought it
0: sort of started dying on its ass about the sort of 20 minute mark and then there, just...
3: <laughs> there was one argument that I'm surprised Joel didn't make maybe because we were all talking about the over but basically that Monica Bellucci she gets a baps out in this film, and it's sort of it's like.
2: Sexist. Do you mind? <laughs> well, well, I'm what sort of convinced is that? <laughs> does she have any 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 strong dialogue with her, with a female? No, but she does. Thanks. Right, like, right, right. I'm I'm gonna move hastily on. <laughs> that's because terrible.
0: both of you is it you, Why is
1: terrible kids kids could be listening to this. Think of the fucking kids <laughs> out
3: there. <laughs> Stop no. dragging
1: the good name of this podcast I am not, the I, I'm
3: not gonna feel bad about it. You would have won if you'd said it, that's what I'm saying.
0: Right, right. <laughs> moving moving swiftly on. I'm not even gonna come to you for your trivia to me, because no. you don't deserve it for being such a bad judge. Right. Okay, so uh what do you guys think that it it scored on
2: IMDB Joel I reckon I'm normally right with this stuff so 7 okay Brucey 6.8 Dave 7.7 7. Ooh Dave's quite close 7.5 wow.
0: Okay and we have, once again, this week done another caption contest. And it is that infamous scene that Brucey and Joel were talking about before. It's the shaving scene. So we've got a picture. Not that scene. Not the, not the back scene. It's the shaving scene keanu reeves shaving scene right so keanu reeves is having a bit of a shave and dracula has come behind him and robbed the razor from his hand so in one hand he's grasping keanu reeves neck and in the other hand he's looking sort of at the razor so uh, that is the picture and some of the captions that we've got here so here's one Uh, pretty women fascinating sipping coffee anybody tell me what that's from no, no idea. No, that's uh, Sweeney Todd's The Musical. Ah, that's, uh, yeah. i yeah. That's thought, nice. that's I that's thought that was very good, yeah. yeah, very good. Okay, uh, we've got another one here. Uh, Let's try saying that in an English accent one more time. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty good. I really like this one. Um, you should have stayed retired, John Wick. <laughs> 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 and, and I quite like this one. I think this is my favourite of the week. So this is by uh, That Film Geek on Twitter. Uh, this is. Pop quiz, shot, a mad vampire has accidentally drawn blood. What do you do? <laughs> what do you do? <laughs> <laughs> Obviously a reference to 1994 classic Speed there. So just before we
3: move off, Alex, what is your piece of trivia for the week? Uh, my piece of trivia, there's quite a few little bits... Um about Francis Ford Coppola doing quite a lot. He, he seemed to like be getting actors, like the three men actors he sort of sent off on like a trip. So he seemed like he was asking quite a lot from his cast. There was a lot going on. He also asked all of them to read out the entirety of Bram Stoker's Dracula. The main cast read it out, and Anthony Hopkins said it took two entire days for them all just to sit around. He wanted them to get a real good feel for the material. And, yeah, that's what they did for two days. Well,
0: did they all speak at unison? <laughs> okay, well, thank you very much for that trivia. You're and welcome. that draws a close to this episode. I just want to say thank you very, very much to all of the gang for providing such a compelling listen and uh, to, once again, our sound maestro and guru, Austin Ray, who's been happy mixing away in the background there. Uh, I just want to say thank you very, very much to everybody who has listened to not only this show, but all the shows in the past, Everybody who's given us a rating a like a share a subscribe all of that we just want to say thank you very much because we really really do appreciate it just to let you know that you can follow us on twitter at film trials uh, so why not send us a suggestion for a film you want to review? Or if you just want to agree with me that Suspiria shouldn't have been put on the list. Oh shidley. my god. <laughs> not every podcast. Every yeah, Gapingo, <laughs> strikes again. 12 points, guys. Okay. Uh, and while you were on Twitter, why not give our graphic designer Winston Sang a good old follow? He is at the underscore quirks. The poster for this week is pretty funny. As Dave said, it's him as Bram Stoker's Dracula. And uh, Dave, it's very, very fetching haircut, and I would be bitterly disappointed if you don't start using it going mm-hmm. forward. Uh, th- that's Halloween for this year, so... <laughs> <laughs> also, while you're on Twitter, why not give our, as I said, Sound Guru a follow? He is at Aussie Ray. Oh, I thought there was going to be an applause, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> sorry. Sorry. You stay past your welcome there, I'm sorry. And you can listen to us on iTunes, films on trial, SoundCloud.com slash films dash on dash trial. Why don't you watch us on YouTube, films on trial, Facebook, films on trial, Instagram, films on trial, WordPress, films on trial. Guys, just do it film on trial uh just to say that we have drawn next week's film out of the hat and it is going to be the notebook And we have also drawn at random the roles. So in the role of the judge, it's going to be Joel. In the role of prosecution, it's going to be Alex. In defense, it's going to be me. And character witness, it's going to be Dave. So until next week, why don't you just, I don't know, listen to some previous episodes and have a good laugh? So next week, we're going to be reviewing The Notebook and we're going to be in your ears. So see you later, guys. Thank you very much for listening. Goodbye. (laughs)